Member Makers brought to you by MemberSpace. MemberSpace makes it easy to run a membership business by plugging into your existing website so you can protect any page content you choose. Your members can also sign up and manage their account without ever leaving your site. Learn more and start a free trial at memberspace.com. Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. Today, I'll be chatting with Bree Noble, founder of Female Musician Academy, about her journey from a music artist to an entrepreneur, starting a radio show that became a podcast, and doing monthly Q&A sessions to help her members. Hey, Bree, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited. Cool. So what does your business do and who do you help? My business helps female musicians specifically to learn how to confidently market themselves and their music and also how to think and act like entrepreneurs, which if you know musicians, most of them don't even actually realize that they're entrepreneurs. That's interesting. How did you get into that niche? I personally kind of walked that walk myself. I had 10 years where I like, you know, I had the musical knowledge and the talent, but I just had no idea how to go out and market myself. And what's interesting is I was a double major in music and business. So you think I would have been able to figure that out, but it was like, once I put on my musician hat, all the business stuff went out the window. And so after 10 years of struggle and frustration and thinking I needed to get a record deal or a manager or a booking agent or something, I finally just realized I needed to use grassroots marketing and start promoting myself as if I was a small business, even like kind of comparing myself to a brick and mortar in my own area and then expanding out from there. And so having had that experience and then meeting a lot of other musicians along the way that suffered from the same frustration, that's how I realized that I thought I had kind of stumbled upon something that would be really helpful for other people. Yeah. So it's funny. You're actually one of the few people whose major in college was exactly what you're doing now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, my, mine was actually business and technology. So we're, we're in a small club there, I think. <laughs> so when you say grassroots marketing, could you give a few examples of what you mean by that? Sure. I mean, really like just doing shows in your local area and getting those people on your email list and getting referrals from those people to, you know, people in their circles. So basically just starting out with a small circle and then expanding in concentric circles outside of that based upon, you know, the people that you meet and who they know and then who they know. And that's really how I was able to, you know, start touring all over California, not just in in Southern California and getting more and more gigs. It was just every person that I met, got them on my email list Asked them if they knew anyone that they thought, you know, could really benefit from the program that I had. And, and that's, you know, really grassroots, like speaking to specific people, not trying to do some huge, you know, online, you know, mass mailing or anything like that. Right. So just so I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like you built what you're offering, the membership, some kind of a course or resources first, and then you sort of went out and, and built up the audience. I actually had the audience first. So what happened was... Myself being a musician, and I met a lot of other musicians, and I decided to create a platform that was specific for female musicians to help them promote themselves online. It was originally an online radio station, and now it's a podcast. 
And so I built my audience that way. And so I met a ton of female musicians that had a lot of the same pain points that I did. And so I decided to offer the membership to them. And I actually offered it to them before I ever built it. So I kind of put it out there as a, you know, a pre-sale or a beta kind of offer and said, Hey, I'm going to build this thing. Um, I had had a relationship with them over the years playing their music on my radio station. And so they trusted me and I said, yeah, there's nothing in here yet, but I'll give you a really good price. And that was how I got my first 18 members. Gotcha. So the real beginning, what was this radio station? So what made you decide, you know what I need to do right now? A radio station when you were just starting out, it was that just an obvious thing to do as a musician or what kind of prompted that? Not very obvious. It actually was a hobby. When Live 365 came out, I had created a radio station of like my favorite female artists, whether they were indie or, you know, well-known. And it was just as something for me to be able to listen to at work. I mean, this was before iPods and stuff. And I wanted to be able to listen to music I liked at my office. And I'm like, oh, like I could create an online radio station and put it on this site and then I could go to my office and log into that and listen to the music that I like. And so it was kind of this weird, you know, workaround way back in the old days versus now you just make a Spotify playlist, you know. And so I'd started it as a hobby. And then eventually when I ended up quitting the job that I had because I had kids and then just, you know, working as a musician I decided to expand the radio station as I started to meet more female artists and really wanted to use it as a platform for them. Understood. So radio station built up an audience by doing the grassroots email list, local show marketing, you know, really getting out there and networking um, and start. And then eventually that became a podcast. So was, how did the radio station go to go to being a podcast or, or were both existing at the same time? They existed at the same time for a while. I just decided that the online radio space was not really growing anymore and podcasting was where it's at. Obviously, you agree with me since you have a podcast. And so in 20, late 2014, I switched the radio station over to being a podcast and I was featuring specifically independent artists on the podcast. And actually we just hit our 1000th episode of that. It's called the Women of Substance Music Podcast. And we just hit our 1000th episode on October 18th. So it's kind of insane to think I've created that many shows. Yeah. Congratulations. That's actually a really impressive number. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All right. So that sounds like that's smart. You were kind of seeing where the road was leading. That podcasting was definitely where it's at, especially in 2014. Now we're in 2019. So certainly that's true. So when did you transition from that to actually having a membership business? Like what was actually included in the membership business? What did you feel like you needed to put in there that the podcast wasn't really addressing? Well, the podcast was just promoting the music. So it's a music-related podcast. It's music podcast. So I actually play 10 songs on every episode. I just say a little something about the artist. So it's more like a promotional tool for them. In 2015, I thought, you know, I'm getting all these questions from these artists on how they can market themselves and promote themselves and book themselves. I'll create another podcast specifically for them. So I created the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast. And that came out in April 2015. And it, the intention of it was to draw in the right people from my membership that I was going to open. And I opened the Female Musician Academy in, I did my beta launch in May and we opened in June with my first 18 members and absolutely nothing inside. 
So the podcast was a way for me to get an idea of what was resonating with people, what kind of questions that they had. And then also I was interviewing a lot of female indie artists that had success in their career. So it was kind of inspirational for them as well. Like, hey, if I if I adopt, you know, these tips and, and marketing strategies that Brie has, I could be like these other artists. Right. So you launched the membership. You didn't have anything yet. When you actually launched it though, how did you actually build in the real content? What made you decide what to actually put there? I surveyed all the artists that came in. So I had 18 people. I surveyed them, you know, what do you want to learn? And at that time also, I was finding that there was a lot of buzz around house concerts, which is kind of a very grassroots way to to promote your music as well in people's homes. And so I decided to make that my first course that I put inside of the membership. So I created a house concerts course. And then I just did like monthly Q&As with them, finding out we do them live on Zoom and finding out what kind of questions they had. And that helped me really tailor what I was going to add next. You know, so we started adding things about productivity because I found that that was a pain point, you know, goal setting, and then just a lot of very specific marketing tactics that they needed help with. And how much were you charging for the membership? So at first when I launched it, I launched it as an annual only, which is kind of weird, but I charged them two ninety seven for the annual membership because I knew it was going to take me a bit to create the content. So I wanted to give myself a little bit of time and I was still offering them, you know, monthly Q and A's and stuff. And then after I'd been in, in it for about a year, I started then offering the monthly option. And that was, I think I, you know, when I first offered the monthly, it was like $24 a month. That was just an email only launch to my list. And then I quickly jumped it up to 29 and I did some webinars and offered it at that price. And then it just, I kept raising the price by like $5 every time I do a little mini launch until I finally got up to the $49 price that I had for a couple of years. Nice. And I assume you were increasing the annual price right along with the monthly, right? Actually, I used the annual as kind of an like it being a lower price to kind of incentivize them to go annual. So I kept the annual at two ninety seven. Interesting. I'd be like, you can go monthly, and you know, you can test it out. There's no refund on the annual, but you get a lot of discounts. So if you if you know that this is really what you want to do, then just get the annual. It's way cheaper. <laughs> That's interesting, and yeah, you definitely. It's been shown in research, at least, that annual recurring memberships generally have lower churn than a monthly membership, just because there's less points for somebody to cancel. There's less reminders that they're paying money, that kind of a thing. And it gives them more time to really get to know the people in the membership and develop you know, relationships. And so I find that a lot of annual people eventually become lifetime members because they just don't want to give up the relationships they have. And, and they really enjoy coming to the live calls and they can't imagine not having those. Yeah. And you're really orienting them towards a long-term thinking for the membership because, okay, I'm paying for a year. I'm investing for a year. Let's do this. This isn't a short-term thing. So it's, it's smart actually that you kept it there. Yep. So, all right. So the price kept going up and up until you got to 49 a month. Is it still 49 a month or did it keep evolving from there? It is not. So this is an interesting change that I made this year. I actually upped the price in June of this year, um, basically around our four-year anniversary. And now pretty much 
you are joining as an annual member either way. It's just that you can either pay on a monthly payment plan or you can pay annual. But I just kind of got to the point where I didn't, I just didn't feel good about having people come in for one month and go, no, or, you know, it's not for me, or I'm just testing it out, or, you know, I, I'm not really that committed. And so I just said like, hey, I only want committed people because I'm super committed to you. I want you to be just as committed to me. So everybody that joins, you're paying for a year. It's just how you're going to pay for it. Are you going to pay for it monthly and pay $59 a month? Or are you going to pay for it annually and pay $590 and save two months? Gotcha. And so the, for the 12 months of $59 a month, they're contractually obligated to pay that even if they say they want to cancel? Yes. And have you ever had any issues with anyone pushing back on that? There are definitely pushbacks. I find that those are the kind of people that I don't want in my membership anyway. So they kind of weed themselves out. Like they're going to be troublemakers anyway. And I'm, it's good that I find out in the first month. <laughs> so, but most other people, you know, they know they're making that commitment. Right. I mean, I can't like force them to do it. You know, anyone can back out on a payment plan of any kind of a course or a membership. But I just, I really want to make it clear to them that like, hey, I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. This is the deal. Right. You could always just call your credit card company and say, you know, I don't want to pay this or whatever. Yep. And, and generally you'll lose that argument as the vendor. So that's true. Yep. And that's just what you deal with being a membership site. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. And one of the through lines I'm seeing on this story is that you were constantly talking with and engaging with your audience. You've been associated with and serving the same group of people, female entrepreneurs who are, you know, trying to create independent music. That's been the through line throughout all mm -hmm. these years. And it sounds, and that's really smart because a lot of people will jump around to different audiences or not quite find the niche. It seems like you found the niche pretty early and just kept expanding what you were offering and how you were engaging with them, which is really, really smart, I'd say. Yeah, I did. And it's not like I was doing it and thinking I was super smart all the time. It was just kind of happening. And it's this kind of the crowd that I love to help. It just worked out that way. And because I was one of those people, you know, it makes sense. And I often get like, hey, why are you excluding men? I'm like, it's not that I'm excluding men. It's that I'm focusing on women. And I really love the idea of having this safe space where we can come onto a live call and it's okay that we're not wearing makeup. It's okay that, you know, we just got out of bed or that, you know, our baby is crying in the background and, you know, like we understand each other and it's, and we can talk about hard issues too. Like we can talk about issues that sometimes only women face with, you know, body image and, you know, being misunderstood by the industry or being expected to be a certain way, that kind of stuff that I think you know, we're the only membership that really supports women in the music industry in that way. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. It, you know, it's focus that, like you said, the, that's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of people and businesses that focus on specific business models, not necessarily a, a sex, but that doesn't, you know, it's still the same thing. You're focusing on a specific niche and that, that's okay. Yep. So to kind of move on to sort of the end here with, the various resources that we talked about previously before we hopped on this call, are there, are there any you'd like to call out in terms of things you'd recommend for folks that are trying to start a membership business? 
I think actually the biggest thing that you should do is join a few other memberships, truthfully, because I actually joined a membership this year just because I loved going through their launch and because I thought their launch was so good. I wanted to see what their membership was like and how they run it. And I thought I could learn a lot from the way that they run that membership. So I would totally recommend that you be a part of a few other memberships just to get ideas. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You know, because. A lot of times you can join courses about building a membership, but it's not the same as actually immersing yourself and being a customer. Yeah. And obviously you don't just join any membership, but- No, it has to be something I'm interested in and it's going to help my business. But it also has to be like a personality that I'm gravitated to or somebody that I'd like to be like and emulate. And then the way that they run things needs to be something that I would you know, want to learn from and I can see things that they do that I'm not doing that I'd be like, that's a cool idea. I want to see how they flesh that out and see if I might be able to to add that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are there any other uh, resources, uh, podcasts, courses, books, anything like that you'd recommend? I mean, not specifically on memberships. So actually there is, there's a new show. One of my mentors is, her name is Haley Burkhead and she has a new show called The Scalability Show. And she talks a lot about how to build and scale a membership. So I highly recommend that. And then like for me, just a few mentors over the years, you know, Jill and Josh Stanton at Screw the 9 to 5, they had an amazingly successful membership for several years. And so I learned a lot from them and I still do, even though they don't have a membership anymore. I just think learning from people that are doing what you want to do and they're a bit ahead of you is always the way to go. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Great. Well, Brie, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. What's the best way for listeners to learn more about you and your business? You can go to femmusician.com. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com. There's a ton of resources there. My podcast, Female Entrepreneur Musician. You can listen to that if you are a female musician. I think it will be extremely helpful. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. There's a direct link in the show notes. We really appreciate it. Member Maker is brought to you by MemberSpace. MemberSpace makes it easy to run a membership business by plugging into your existing website so you can protect any page content you choose. Your members can also sign up and manage their account without ever leaving your site. Learn more and start a free trial at memberspace.com.